And welcome to Reliving My Youth, the show where we look back at pop culture from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. My name is Noel Fogelman. I've been doing this show for almost a year and a half now, and I book guests via Facebook, Twitter, IMDb, their websites, their PR reps. But I can finally say I booked my very first guest via LinkedIn this week. So the site is more than just posting a resume and recommending people. It's Chris Duffy from the band Waterfront. Now, if you don't remember Waterfront, they were like a sophisticated band from the late 80s, kind of in the mold of like Johnny H. Jazz, Swing Out Sister. They had one album, their debut album, which featured the song Cry. Now, Cry became a big hit back in 1989. It hit number nine on the charts. But that was it. One album and they were done. Unfortunately, you can't find the album on any streaming services right now. So you kind of have to look for it on YouTube or for a physical copy on Amazon. So Chris kind of talks about why they released just the one album, what he's up to these days. But they did get together a few years ago, Chris and his partner, Phil Celia, and released Ghosts of the Good. It's like an Americana-type sounding album, not like the Sophistapop album, which their debut was. And they released a new version of the song Cry, which is great. The whole album is great. That you can find on streaming services. So Chris just fills me in on what he's been doing these days, and I hope you enjoy the interview. And helping me relive my youth today is Chris Duffy. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? Oh, it's an absolute pleasure, though. It's, it's really good to... Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and um, it's almost the 30th anniversary of you guys' uh, debut album. Um, so what, what have you been up to these days? Well, um... Where do I start? You know, it's, uh, I mean, I um, when when Waterfront, um, uh, you know, we came to the end of the road as, a, as you know as Waterfront. I I, I did a solo album. So uh, went in a slightly different direction. He went into music production, and he did really well with that for you know, quite a few years. Um, but um, we sort of went our sort of separate ways in the uh, you know early nineties, and. Um, uh, got back together about six years ago to do a, a sort of almost like a reunion album, um, and that was absolutely great fun, and we we, we had such a blast doing it. But you know, right now um, I work for a college. Um, you know, as I say, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a proper job. Although you know, I get to do loads of creative things there. Uh, Phil keeps his hand in. He, Phil doing a lot of session work at the moment, so he does. You know, he's playing guitar, he's collecting vintage guitars, and he's refurbishing guitars. And when he's not doing that, he's doing a lot of session work. So he's he's far more involved in music still than I am. Yeah. Does anyone around the uh, college recognize you? Uh, like know you from your past days? Oh, the older ones. <laughs> <laughs> the older ones do, um, and the younger ones. I mean, I, to be honest. I never, I never mention it, but occasionally somebody, met, you know, somebody else mentions it, and so everyone gets their iPhones out and they Google, Google Waterfront on YouTube, and you know, it's, 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 everyone has a laugh, you know, right. uh, particularly at my, you know, my hair, um, <laughs> that kind of eighties vibe, and uh, you know, yeah, they, they are kind of surprised, but uh, I, I don't really, uh, I don't, I, I've given up spreading the word these days. Right. So yeah. So they don't ask you to perform at the holiday party or anything like that, right? <laughs> Absolutely, we always keep saying, you know, I'm still in touch with Phil, we're very close, in fact, he's in Cardiff tomorrow, um, 
he's going to call in for a coffee. So we keep in close contact, and uh, we always say, you know, uh, it's, it's our bucket list to get together at least to, to play live again, if not record. But uh, it may happen. It, you know, uh, it would be great. Yeah, it would be to yeah, see you guys back together. Now, uh, you know, way, way back, my last cassette tape before I actually bought my first CD player was your uh, debut uh, album, Waterfront, which had, you know, the big hit yeah. in, uh, you know, the U.S. Cry and, like, another good song, you know, Nature Love, you know. Um, how, yeah. Did, yeah, how, did you, how did you and Phil uh, meet and actually form the band? Well, we were in school uh, together. Uh, we were good friends in school. And uh, we formed, a, you know, a standard high school band, and uh, we did that for a few years. And it's like, you know, the old story. We went from being a high school band into a band that uh, started playing college gigs. And then from college gigs, we started uh, playing around the UK, you know, basically all funded, you know, because we never really earned any money out of it, but we just, you know, we were very, very motivated. And uh, we eventually, we got to a stage where we were gigging in London uh, quite a bit. And uh, we, were, we were spotted, originally spotted by a, a scout from CBS and we were offered a singles deal, uh, which we were actually going to take. Um, then our manager, uh, a guy called John Kennedy, who was the lawyer for uh, Band-Aid. Okay. And uh, jo John Kennedy met two uh, New York uh, entrepreneurs, if you like. Uh, Harvey, uh, sorry, uh, uh, oh God, what was the name? Um, I've got a senior mom going on here. <laughs> uh, anyway, two, two, two music moguls. Uh, and um, they, they nipped in and they, they, they said, now well, we want you for, for, for an album deal, which we signed up with them uh, and Polydor. So uh, that was the start of it. Um, and there on, you know, it just, uh, it just grew from there. Yeah, now... Um I imagine, like, the music scene where you, where you grew up, I mean, it, it, you really had to leave there to to succeed, correct? Yeah, yeah, I mean, as I say, we, we, we did, we started off the email, we like all bands do, uh, and then we thought, you know, we need to, we need to kind of spread our wings, we started getting places like Liverpool and London, uh, uh, you know, around the country, and, you know, pay, essentially, you know, paying, paying to do it, you know, and, uh, and then, and then eventually, you know, um, gigging, you know, five, five times a week when you're trying to hold down a job just just wasn't really feasible. Uh, and I said, so, you know, you know, we might get a deal, or if we don't get a record deal, you know, this is just not sustainable, you know. And um, and we both decided then that we would take it, you know, much more seriously, and we would try and get a record deal. And fortunately, about a year later, one came along, and that was it. But uh, yeah, we we had to move away from the local scene, you know. Yes, we really had to focus more or less be based in London. Right now, your like your hit where you know fans know you cry. Um, yeah. Was that an easy song to write? Let me wipe the tears away 
just 16 But looking all of 21 Yeah, and um, when I first heard this song, I because now once you, you you hear a song, you can you know put your phone to it and you can get the title and the artist right away, or you can on your radio in your car they display who it was. I had no idea who who you guys were, and honestly, you sounded like George Michael, and I thought it was George Michael with a new song out. Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting because we used George Michael's backing vocalist on that track as okay. well, and um, I was asked at one point you know, um, by a producer t- to do what they call ghost vocals on a George Michael album, which is basically to, to sing the songs for, yeah, sing the songs, 
so the back the backing vocals have been laid down on top. Um, but I was actually halfway through my own album at the time, so right. that never happened. But yeah, I mean, I, it, the comparison has been made a lot. But you know, um, it's we had a an email recently from the broadcast music industry of America, you know, the BMI, right, to say that uh, in in the states it's coming up to its millionth airplay. Oh, that's great! Now, which is uh, such a thrill for us. Right, I can imagine. Yeah, it's you know, I still hear it. You know, I have satellite radio. I still hear it every now and then, and you know it. As a line in the song, it makes me happy because you know hearing that song again, it, you know it, it brings back memories, and it's such a really good song. Now, the the, the lyrics. Uh, what exactly is the meaning of the song? <laughs> um, it's it's really about a, an ugly guy um, meeting a, a younger a younger person who you know doesn't look doesn't look yet. If that makes sense, and, right? Uh, he finds and, and basically she says no, and, and then and then he says, oh, you know, um, I didn't realize you were so young." You know, I think you've got a lot of style. You know, don't cry. You know, it's uh, there's nothing that I love about you, your style. You know, right? Yeah, and it's, it's, it's like it's, it's like him saying, "Oh, cool." You know, um, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you were that young, but hey, thank you for letting me know. Almost, does that make sense? Yeah, it does, you know, because, you know, there are a few, you know, lyrics of the song, you know, that absolutely just, you know, stand out, you know, know you're 16, looking all 21, and then 21, you married with a gun. That's right. Yeah, those lines really, really stick out, so I was just, just curious. That's jail for you, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly, you know, especially, you know, this this time of day. It's all about, you know, what didn't happen, you know? Right, yeah, absolutely. Now, the song, I think, made its number, I think, 10, right, on the Billboard charts, and almost... Was number two on the. Oh, it was number nine. You peaked at nine, yeah. Oh, oh, even better, yeah. And it, it almost hit number yeah, yeah. one, I think, on the adult contemporary charts, correct? It did. It was an AC number one, which was again, it was that was such a thrill for us, you know. And uh, it was a hit back here in the UK as well. Uh, and then we followed it up with a few, uh, obviously lesser hits. Nature of Love being one of them, you know.
Yeah, it was, it was great. That, that was a track that really broke us, yeah. Yeah, now, um, when you guys, you know, hit it with that song, I, I don't remember you guys, like, touring. Maybe you guys did. Did you guys, like, open up for anybody, like, in, you know, on a tour in the U.S. or anything like that? Well, yeah, I mean, do you remember, I mean, we, t- we toured at the, the end of 1989, we did a, a U.S. tour, um, and we supported Donny Osmond. Oh, yeah, I remember, yeah, he, might, he came back, yeah. Yeah, that might sound like a strange tour that, but bearing in mind, he had about three Billboard top ten hits, you know, back to back, and he had just had a massive hit with Soldier of Love. That's right, yeah. So he was really hot on, on the comeback trail. He, he would go in the, the crowds, you know? Um, and I guess Donnie then, I don't think he'd mind me saying, even then, it was probably what you'd call, uh, you know, um, uh, what would you say? You know, not not a vintage artist, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like a retro artist. Yeah, a retro artist. But he was really doing really well, so we thought, yeah, why not? Let's, let's do it. And it was it was absolutely one of the best experiences of uh, of Phil and I's music career. It was just a phenomenal experience. We loved it. Right, and I remember, like you know, that song "Soldier of Love" when they played it on the radio. They didn't, they didn't yeah. say it was Donny Osmond. They said it was a mystery artist because I think they were afraid that people thought it was Donny Osmond. They were kind of, you know, turn their nose, you know, because oh, it's, they think of Donny Osmond from the '70s with his sister. But th- that song had a couple That's other right. big hits that were actually really good. It did, yeah. I, you know, and I think "Soldier of Love" was was the third what the third big sort of comeback hit that he the that, that he had, you know, at the time. So we were playing, you know, everything from I mean we did we did uh, Detroit Pistons Arena. Okay. Um with him. Uh we did um, but the vast majority of the tour gigs we got sort of three thousand seater theatre type things, you know, and that that's a really nice size venue. Yeah, absolutely. So um what were some of like your favorite cities like traveling in the US? Well, I mean, we started the, the opening gig in Anaheim, okay. uh, on the west coast, uh, and then we, we basically the tour went from Anaheim right away across the Midwest, you know, through places like Boise, Idaho, right the way through to New York and back. Um, so, it, you know, we pretty much covered everywhere. But you know, um, yeah, I, 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 I love. I mean, you know, I, I don't have a favorite place. I, I spend a lot of time in LA. Because the after the band, you know, after Waterfront came to, to an end, I, I stayed on for a while. I was writing for uh, EMI Music. Okay. So, so I was writing for TV and film and other artists. And uh, I, I like the kind of pace of life. I like the climate. I like the creativity in in, uh, in LA. But I also I spent I spent uh, twelve weeks recording uh, my solo album in Greenwich uh, Village in Green Street Studios. Uh, and, and that was a bl- that was a blast as well, you know. So, but a very different, obviously, a very different uh, environment. <clears throat> yeah. Now, after like you know the debut album, did you guys like start working on a follow up album? Well, because I don't remember anything being released. Uh, my album, you mean? Yeah, yeah. You, you and uh, Phil, did you guys release like I don't remember you guys releasing a follow up uh, to your debut? No, we didn't. No, 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 we didn't. Um, <laughs> You know, I think what happened was, and I, you know, if, I'm sure you wouldn't disagree with me, we'd spent from, I guess, the age of 16, when we, when we formed our first band, younger than that, yeah, formed our first band, you know, playing bands right the way through our teens, right the way into our 20s, and then we started touring, you know, around the UK, you know, all self-funded, then we got the deal, and then, we, of course, and then when the hit came along, uh, we just would you know, inundated with work and be living in each other's pockets for like two years. And I think, do you know what, I think we just thought we need a break. <laughs> you know, we just right. need a break from each other and to do different things. And that was really it. I mean, and, and we, I think we both 
thoughts, you know, we're going to take a break, we're going to do separate things, and then we're going to come back together and we're going to pick it up, refresh. And we just didn't come back and pick it up, you know. Um, so, so, but, you know, who, who's to say, you know, they let that happen? Yeah, and I think you guys were the first, like, Welsh duo to have a top 10 hit in Karai in the U.S., correct? We were. We were indeed, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it was great fun working with the people we worked on. You know, I mean, um, we worked with the, the guy, I don't know if you ever remember Go West, but, you know, oh, yeah. uh, a couple of tracks couple of that tracks were done with Go West, a Go West producer, and a couple of tracks were done by um, a guy called Cry was produced by Ben Skinner, and he'd just been working with um, Boy George and Culture Club. Um, so, you know, it was, we were working with some great people, and, and the strings on the, the first Waterfront album, all the string arrangements, they are for orchestras, and, and, you know, 60-piece orchestras on Nature of Love, and, and that was, all the strings were done by a lady called um, Anne Dudley. The band went on to win an Oscar. She did all the string arrangements for uh, The Lion King. Okay. So, I mean, she's just such a talented string arranger, you know, and it was just a real privilege to, to work with an orchestra, you know, two, two guys from a small town uh, having a 60-piece orchestra playing to one of your tracks. I mean, that's just mind-blowing. It was fantastic. Yeah. Now, like, the, the songwriting process for you, is it, like, really, really difficult? I mean, is it, do you guys do you experience writer's block ever, or is it, like, kind of just inspirational? You write something down as you see it? You know, it's strange. Um, Phil and I have never had any uh, problems writing together. The, the problems come when we try and write with other people. Okay. You know, that's when it becomes really, really hard. I mean, Phil's had many, many songwriting, you know, experiences. I've, I've written, you know, when I was writing with him, I used to write with different writers every day. But the chemistry was, you know, we, you know I occasionally came up with some different stuff, but we, the real chemistry has always been with uh, working with Phil um, because he knows what I'm going to sing before I sing it. And if I'm trying to get an idea over to him, you know, like a guitar lick or something, I don't even have to play it. You know what I mean? Uh, so we, as, as songwriters, we have that kind of connection and almost, it's almost a psychic, you know, creative relationship, you know, without any pretentious, you know, that, that's how it feels. Right. Now, you, you release, you know, your, I guess you can say your long-awaited second album, you know, Goes to the Good, uh, a few years ago. Was there ever a time, like, in, in between there that you guys thought about, you know, putting an album together or even releasing a couple songs, say, like, on the internet? Yeah, yeah, we did. We we, we had a kind of couple of sort of abortive attempts. And we, I say abortive attempts, it was just trying to find out um, which direction we wanted to go in. And, uh, you know, some of it we felt was too commercial, you know, some of it was like too much like the old Waterfront. And, you know, some of it was just you know, too rocky because I'm, I'm not a rock singer. Right. Uh, Phil, Phil is a really, I, mean, I think he would like to be in a rock band in an ideal scenario. You know? <laughs> I was more, always more of a soul pop singer, and I, you know, so we had a, we went down the rock route and that didn't really work. And, you know, we finally settled on this kind of, um, I guess you'd call it, uh, you know, like Americana vibe. You know, yeah. We've got big fans of Ryan Adams and uh, artists like, uh, you know, Ryan Adams, you know, obviously Tom Petty. Right, of course. And, uh, you know, a bunch of more recently guys like Israel Nash. Yeah. Uh, so we just got that kind of, you know, um, that vibe. And, and, and we both felt really comfortable doing that. And we both felt that we could play this kind of music vibe, um, you know, given, given an opportunity, you know? Yeah, and, and the album is, is, is really, really good. I mean, it's like... If, if you listen to obviously your debut album and then play this, you know, goes to the good right after it, it's like you wouldn't even imagine or think that it's the same band, but it, it's really good how you guys matured and you come out with, you know, you even have like a, a 
what's called a country makeover of Cry. fabulous songs on here but you know and it's if anyone wants to you know pick it up it's it's streaming on all the sites so you can definitely enjoy it but um yeah all things must pass i think is probably besides the cry country makeover is one of my favorite on there
don't know where I'm going, just where I've been. It's been a long, long road. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you for that. I mean, you know, obviously in the, in the stream of time, you, you have a lot more experience to bring to the songwriting uh, process, you know. Uh, and I think the, uh, as I mentioned to you before the interview started, the, uh, it's a lot more than, uh, than you know, obviously the old, the old material. And, um, you know, I, I, I personally, and Phil, I think, is, is the same. We'd kind of like to see now where the next album would go, um, whether it would just be a, a straight-ahead follow-on from, from Books for the Good, or whether but where the next step would take us creatively, because you know, that's, been a few, that's been a few years ago. So, um, you know, that would be a, a real kind of luxury for us to, to have an opportunity to do that, you know? Yeah, and then now, I guess, since you're really not hamstrung with like a, uh, a record company, you don't have to have like people screaming down at your back that you have to have an album out. You can kind of go at your own pace and, re- and release it when you want. Well, this is, you know, recordings become a lot cheaper than it I mean, it used to be phenomenally expensive. I mean, if I, if I sit back and think of what we, <laughs> what we spent on the, on the first couple of albums, like this one album and then my solo album, it makes my eyes water. Um, you know, uh, you know, sixty-piece orchestras, and you know, you know, four or five videos for for an album. You know, and they were all expensive. You know, we were filming them in outside LA, and you know, all over the place, and we were just racking up numbers. I mean, that's just old school music business, though. I mean, nowadays, guys film the stuff on iPhones now, you know, and they edit it at home, and you just everything's you know hard disk recording now, and so it, you know, it's put really music and creating music into the hands of anybody who wants to have a go. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of uh, also puts maybe session recorder, you know, session singers and you know musicians kind of out of business now. Correct? Well, exactly. Well, yes and no. I mean, we still used a couple of the old guys on the last at Waterford album. We, we it was it was kind of like the Magnificent Seven. We <laughs> we went round sort of rustling up these things out of nowhere, you know, and bringing them back into the fold because we we wanted to get a, a flavour of the original crew. Uh, managed to do and um, you know a lot of those guys still playing live and I think you know there, there's, there's always going to be a place for guys that really know their, their musicianship and their, and their you know instrument craft if you like um, and yeah you can program stuff at home you can use Pro Tools or whatever software you want to use uh, and, and it puts creative music into, into the hands of even non-musicians and, and who's to say that's a bad thing but I think there's always going to be a place for guys who can pick up guitar and, and, and you know play really great uh, or play a keyboard or whatever you know, and but that'll never go away. Right now, like back in the '80s when you had Cry and uh, you know Nature of Love, they or accompanied by videos played you know on MTV here and you know VH1 now. There's not really, they don't really play videos. They play stupid reality shows and trash TV. Uh, did you did you actually enjoy making videos back then?
Yeah. Now, like, unfortunately, like, I, I mean, I, I've bought your, you know, the, the CD to the debut album, you know, a couple of years after I got the cassette, but it's it's not on, like, any streaming service. And I, I heard that you guys recently got the publishing rights to, to your catalog, correct? Our catalog has now reverted, yeah. It's reverted ownership. Well, ownership of the songs is reverted to, to us. Right. Now, um, cool. I'm sorry. So, yeah, so, I mean, um, I, you know, I, I, you know, I, should, <laughs> I, I, I honestly don't think uh, they're going to hand over the recordings, the actual physical recordings to us anytime soon, because yeah. they, they pop up, you know, Cry pops up, Nature of Love pops up on these 80s compilation albums from time to time, and it, it is somebody for many. Yeah, exactly. Now, they have, yeah. um, the, like, these, like, lost 80s tours, you know, all around... Uh, U.S. and I think they have some of them in um, in London and in, in England as well. Has anyone approached you to like come on those tours for a couple you know cities play you know Cry, Nature, Love, and Broken Arrow? We we have had in the past. We've never done it. Um, we just like you know we just don't. I mean, we're proud of what we did. Don't get me wrong. And it was very much of its time. You know, uh, it was very much of that kind of late eighties thing. Um, but you know, for us, music is all about going forward. And okay. um, which is why when we did Cry as a bonus track on the, the last album, we did a really different kind of almost like a, almost like a Bruce Springsteen Americana feel, you know, vibe to it, you know. And it's all, I think it's about creating new things and, and going forward rather than rehashing rehashing stuff, um, you know, for, for the buck, you know. Right. Yeah. They. Um yeah, th- those shows are, are good, but I, I've interviewed artists saying, you know, and they, they've told me that they aren't really contractually allowed to play new music. So they would play, you know, their couple of hits and that's it. Even if they release new music, they, they're not allowed to play like a new song from their latest work, which is kind of sad. Because personally, I, I like artists, you know, from the 80s and early 90s, but I also want to hear their new music as well because I'm a fan of them, not just one song. I could. I totally agree, um, and as, as you say, I mean, as, as much as you know, we both love, you know, the, the, the you know what Cry did for us, and uh, what Nature of Love and Broken Arrow and 
a couple of other songs that were, you know, hits, lesser hits over here in the UK. Um, you know, they're like they're like our children. You know, those songs right. in a way. Um, but uh, you know, your children got to grow up, and so have you. Um, and so, you know, we, we just want to, you know, if you like, just create the future rather than look in the rearview mirror and slam the car in reverse and, 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 and take the greenbacks. You know. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, when you guys were out there, the, the, like the late '80s was kind of like it, it changed from the, you know the mid '80s. So it, it was like you guys and like I think Johnny H. Jazz, Swing House Sister. So it was like a different type of like you know a sound. Um, were you kind of aware of, of that as you guys were out there? Uh, you know, I think uh, I think we were so wrapped up in what we were doing, we sort of didn't really pay too much attention to everybody else at the time. But um, I think what did really catch us out, really, really caught us out, was when the, you know, the, the scene kind of exploded and you had that new generation of kind of bands, like, you know, the Stone Roses and, uh, uh, you know, that, that whole kind of Manchester scene thing, um, lots of loops, lots of, you know, uh, beats and kind of, that really caught us on the hop. And I think really, we, we suddenly, within about like 12 months, that whole kind of late 80s slick production was suddenly, uh, it's kind of, you know, out of date, you know? Yeah, it definitely was. But Chris, uh, this was this was great. It's a real treat for me, kind of reminiscing with you. Um, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And best of luck. You know, it's, it's been great chatting to you, and um, I'm surprised I remembered any of it. And a special thanks to Chris for joining me tonight. If you want to check out Ghosts of the Good, you can find that on any streaming service. Their debut album, you can search for it on YouTube. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'd appreciate it. I'm at the first in all one nine. Be sure to like the page of Living My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. I'd appreciate it. Don't have iTunes? Not a problem. The show is on SoundCloud. It's on Podbean. Special thanks to everyone who's listening. I can't do it without you guys. And be on the lookout for another episode of Reliving My Youth real soon.